Hello, everyone, and welcome to Death Star Radio. I'm Lorenzino Estrada, along with my co-pilot, Christopher Howley. Chris, how you doing? Good. Glad to be doing the podcast. How you doing, Zeno? I'm doing good. And, you know, it's been a while since we've gotten together and talked Star Wars. I was gone, and you were working your tail off, and but here we are. Yeah, you made a trip to New York. I've been working a lot the last couple of weeks, so we apologize for the brief break we had there, but we're back and ready to talk some Star Wars. Yes, we are back indeed, and we're actually going to be reviewing a book that we both read together at the same time, and that was Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. And Chris, just right off the bat, what were your thoughts on the book Thrawn? So right off the bat, I had never read a Star Wars book ever, and I had always been told about him, read him, read him, read him, read him, and I had never, never picked, never done it. But once mm-hmm. I heard you were reading this one, I thought, okay, might as well start somewhere. So I picked up Thrawn. I knew he was in Star Wars Rebels. And I thought, well, here, let's just let's read his origin story. And I was absolutely amazed by the book. I was surprised yeah. on how good it was. And, I mean, I'm not a guy who reads a lot. Now I've been reading a lot more. But um, definitely a book that's gotten me into more Star Wars lore and everything. And the whole canon of Star Wars. So it it really blew me away. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Um I had read a couple Star Wars books prior to Thrawn. I'm trying to get more uh familiarized with the canon, so I said the best way to do that is to just dive into the books and into the comics outside of, you know, the Clone Wars and the movies obviously and then uh, uh Star Wars Battlefront 2, uh everything that's canon. So um you know, I was a little worried when I picked up Thrawn. I didn't know if I was going to uh, get attached to this character. I hadn't seen Rebels yet, and I was deciding whether or not I wanted to watch Rebels first and then read Thrawn or read Thrawn and then go to Rebels. And I decided with the latter, so I picked up Thrawn. And um, when I read it, I actually pushed this book off for a very long time. I bought it in around February, and I didn't read it until uh, late May, June. So... It took a while for me to get around to it, but I really like this book. And this is the this is the first time we're getting Thrawn outside of Rebels into the Star Wars canon um, by Timothy Zahn, because he had actually previously written um, a book about Thrawn that's no longer canon. It's Star Wars Legends, and it's the book Heir to the Empire. It came out in 1991. That was the first introduction we had to Thrawn. And I didn't read those books because they're not canon, so I said, why read something that's not canon anymore? And then Thrawn comes out, pick it up, and I love this book. I think the way that they introduced him and the other characters that are that are in Rebels that we haven't seen yet, you and I, but just the introductions that we've gotten to them, I can't wait to see them more with the next two Thrawn books, but also Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, me as well. I had not I have not seen all of Rebels. I have seen some of Rebels, but not all of it. And I mean, I will have to go back and rewatch from the beginning just to get a full perspective on it. And now reading through this book, Thrawn is definitely one of my favorite Star Wars characters. And I, mm-hmm. I, had, I haven't even seen him much on anything. So I'm a little little skeptical on how, how Rebels is going to treat Thrawn yeah. because he's a little, bit of a, a little bit of a darker character, if, if you'd say. So, and of course, being a Disney TV show, it's, it's a little tough, but... I'm really excited to kind of see that, and I was really excited to read this book. I can't read, to, can't wait to read Alliances and then Treason that comes out next month. 
It's about a month from today, I think. I think it comes out July twenty eighth or twenty sixth. It does. Like it that. comes out around San Diego Comic Con. So yeah, so it's 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 about a month away, and I can't wait for that. Hopefully, I'll have Alliances done and Alphabet Squadron, and I'll get gotta gotta get reading. That's what still, I still still working your way through Alphabet Squadron. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was definitely an outstanding book. So I just wanted to let out a warning to everybody who's listening to this who hasn't read Thrawn. If you haven't read Thrawn and you're planning on reading Thrawn, even if you're not planning on reading Thrawn, all of this is going to be, the rest of this is going to be spoilers. So I suggest you go read the book, come back here, and listen to what we have to say about it. Even if you're not planning on reading it, read it, because it's good. Yeah, if you are plan- yeah, if you are planning on reading it, definitely don't listen to this part, because it will contain all of the spoilers, and then obviously you won't want to read the book. So, Zeno, how about you start us off? What did you think of the very, very beginning when the Empire seemed to be outsmarted by Thrawn? Almost like an entire squadron was outsmarted by Thrawn. Yeah, I think that speaks to the uh, education and also just the way the species of the Chiss ascendancy, how they work and how they operate. And uh, this is obvious. The Chiss ascendancy is in the unknown regions of the galaxy, which is something that um, is more so now getting uh, dabbled into. You know, we're seeing them, uh, we're seeing the outer regions talked about a lot more, uh, as well as Wild Space, which is where uh, Eli Vanto is from, another one of the main characters in this book. But um, I thought it was really cool. You know, I think right off the bat, we're introduced to this character who's very smart, who has, who is a great tactician, and who has a military mind. So, um Seeing him do that was pretty cool. I also like the fact that at the beginning of this book, throughout this book, because this book takes the course of, of years, I would assume. And in the beginning of this book, we see that the Empire is still using V-Wings and they're still using uh, Venator uh, star, Star-class cruisers, which uh, symbolizes that they're part of the Republic still. And they ha- it's not like an overnight change that, oh, uh, the Emperor made it the Galactic Empire, and then all of a sudden there were Star Destroyers and there were TIE Fighters and things like that. We see the gradual growth of, um, of the Empire through this book, and you see it in the beginning how they're still using Clone Wars technology, so I thought that was a really cool uh, addition to it. Yeah, and I always thought that this era of Star Wars has kind of been one of my favorites. Yeah. It's, 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 almost, it's almost unexplored, but I mean, I guess right after Return of the Jedi is unexplored as well, but that mm-hmm. era of where the Empire was ruling the galaxy between A New Hope and, I mean, obviously they were still ruling the galaxy after A New Hope until the end of Return of the Jedi, yes. but they were ruling the galaxy there and they were they were almost facing no resistance. There was resistance, but there wasn't like the the big the rebellion didn't have any advantage until a new mm-hmm. so yeah. it was really it's really cool to see how things changed there like you said how they were still using clone wars technology and i mean that's that, that kind of grows throughout the book with thron's interest in clone wars technology yeah he he keeps droids he tries to get every piece of clone wars technology he can get Presumably because it seems he is he ran into Anakin Skywalker during this time in mm-hmm. the Clone Wars, which may probably get explored in Alliances because I know it has something to do with Darth Vader, obviously, which both of us have not read yet. No. So we do have to get in on that. But yeah, no, like I said, it's a great part. It's a great part of the book that kind of introduces Thrawn and sets it off toward where they 
they head toward the Emperor, and I mean, it's our introduction to Eli Vanto as well. Yes. And Eli Vanto is probably one of the most well-developed characters in this book, in my opinion. At, at mm-hmm. the very beginning of the book, I don't know if you felt this. I'll let you answer it after I say it. At the beginning of this book, it almost seemed like this book was about Eli Vanto. Yeah, no, definitely. It, I mean, the whole, it, it was, a, you could see his thoughts. And I like how it changes to where you're still learning for about Eli, but it's more about Thrawn. But I just wanted to get your take on just the whole Eli Vanto introduction and how it seemed like this book should have been called Vanto instead of Thrawn. <laughs> well, this this book does a great job at carrying the carrying these two characters just throughout. And uh, when I, you know, I bought this book for Thrawn. And when I was initially reading it, I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be invested in this, in Eli Vanto's story. Like, let me see Thrawn, let me see him in action. And then the more I started to read this book, the more I actually wanted uh, Eli's insight on what was going on. And the book does a very good job at showing his thoughts as well as Thrawn's. And I think Eli's character is one of the more relatable ones that we've gotten like throughout Star Wars because so many times he's thinking and you're like, yeah, like that's how I feel about it too. And he feels very left out. He feels that he hasn't gotten his fair share in a lot of things. And I think when you see that success with Thrawn, you kind of look at Eli Vanto and then you say, well, where, when is he going to get that? And when is he going to be able to, to rise up? Why is he still the ensign? And why is he the essentially through almost half of this book, more than half of this book, he is really just the assistant to, to Thrawn. Yeah. And so when he finally gets that, that rank up to Lieutenant or it's yeah. Lieutenant commander at Pete, like it's unbelievable. Like you're just like, finally, yes, come on. But yeah, so moving on from if we're going to keep going chronologically through the book, after they go, they quote unquote capture Thrawn and he, the Emperor assigns him and Vanto to the Naval Academy. You kind of get the, I mean, you kind of, you kind of get what you're in for with how Thrawn thinks, especially with that first, that first like conflict that they get into when they go play cards with the fellow uh, what would you say, cadets? Yeah, or, yeah, cadets. yeah. So, and he doesn't use his lieutenant badge until they pull out the teacher. And so, mm-hmm. I thought, like, immediately there, I'm like, so this guy's thinking like eight steps ahead. And so then I got, I expected that every time, and you can just tell how it develops every single time. You just know his 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 play is always there. It's like. Throughout the rest of this book, almost that set it up where I wasn't worried about Thrawn. If Thrawn said, oh, this is fine, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> because he's thinking 10 steps ahead. And, I mean, Vanto was kind of, I think he, he kind of, Vanto kind of plays us in a way. Us mm-hmm. reading the book about Thrawn. He's learning about Thrawn. And he he basically is, is by the end of the book, he trusts him with almost everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a cool little symbolic thing. Um, but yeah, like like I said, the whole Naval Academy part kind of you, you said it takes place over years. That's like a three month period. I really like that period because it kind of develops the relationship between Vanto and Thrawn the most to me because it was the beginning of their relationship. Yeah. And another thing I really liked about that part of the book is we're introduced to the fact that Thrawn 
and this is something that we'll see throughout after this, is that there is there's racism in the empire that they do not like an alien species or they don't like people that are not part of the core worlds or also the mid rim. You know, so that's really what it is. And then once you get to wild space, which is where Eli's from, and also Thrawn from the outer regions, they don't like them and they don't want to see them uh, grow. They don't want to see them rise up within the Empire. So I thought that was a really cool thing that we see. And again, it's another thing to make you question the Empire, to dislike the Empire. And um, it's very hard for Thrawn to rise up in the Empire. It seems that throughout this book, politically he is always trying to be uh torn down by his associates because he is from uh the outer regions yeah believe it or not that may be the one field that thrawn struggles at in this book. yes and i think they they expose that is the political side of it which considering the political side of it also introduces our i would say that this book is basically about three people it's about eli vanto thrawn and Arinda Price. Mm-hmm. And Arinda Price is that other side of politics. So cause she's almost, she's basically Thrawn in the political sense. It's, yes, she's she, very ruthless. Exactly. She's ruthless, but she's not ruthless that the way Thrawn is. Thrawn is more military first. Like he thinks everything in terms of military when she thinks of everything in terms of negotiating and politics and everything like that. And I think that adds a good balance to the book. And I mean, at first, when they first introduced price, I was thinking, where is this going? Like we're introducing another character. I'm still learning all these other guys. And I think it's great. And then when they finally meet at that party uh, during uh, Ascension week, is that what it's called? Yes, Ascension Week on Coruscant. Yeah, and I thought, like, okay, now we're trying to get it combined here. And I thought her character arc was also great. She kind of also plays a little bit of a villain, in a way. And um, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. And uh, considering to show her ruthlessness compared to Thrawn's, it was a great, it was a great balance. Yeah, and to, to be quite honest, I don't really like Arinda Price, but it's not because I don't like the way that she was set up because that's great. But the way that Timothy Zahn writes this and the way that he illustrates her throughout this book makes you, or at least for me, dislike the character because she is ruthless in that uh, political sphere of things. So um, that was something that I thought, you know, it's kind of like that mirror image of Thrawn, but just on on the other side of it. And we see her um, set up Senator Rankin, who is of Lothal because that's the planet where she's from. Uh, She was, she had her family had a mining um, facility on Lothal. They end up losing it. And once that happens, she decides that she's going to make sure that she is powerful enough. So that doesn't happen to her. And she's not, you know, tossed around there. There are good motivations there, but in the end, she is part of the empire and we see her um, form alliances, not only with uh, Thrawn, but with uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. And I mean, Going back to when she got rid of the, when the whole, uh, they had to get rid of the mine with her, with her family and everything. She, it it almost seems like it was, obviously she was pushed into a corner that was going to end up them losing the mine, but she took the deal that seemed the most selfish. Mm -hmm. It, it, It sent her to Coruscant to learn more, but left her parents behind. 
Yep. So it already kind of puts you off on a bad foot with her. Mm-hmm. So, but which I think was great because it kind of sets up what happens later. But it's definitely, it's definitely a good thing. And like as years go by, as we keep going through the book here, um, Thrawn moves up in the rankings as you say Vanto does not. Eli Vanto stays his assistant. And it seems like the Emperor is growing more trust in him more and more. As it says on the back of the book, actually, it even says Thrawn proves to be as indispensable to the Empire as its most loyal servant, Darth Vader. So, which I believe is why it's going to play into alliances. They're going to have a little bit of a rivalry there. Yeah. Um, But showing every, every step of the way, he is showing how he is just more capable than any human being that the empire has. And that's, that's also playing off to what you said about the empire's racism. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it in, in the original trilogy of the movies, the empire is what? 100% human. Yeah. I don't remember seeing an alien. No, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. So, you can definitely see why it was that. Like, you can definitely understand that the way he introduces kind of like species, like how people don't like certain species, like you say, the outer rim or the unknown regions. Um, it makes sense, and it's it's basically he's fighting for he's he he may not realize it, but he's basically fighting for the the reputation of people from the outer rim or the unknown regions mm-hmm. as is Vanto because he's from yes. out there as well. And I think that's a great, great way thing that Timothy Vaughn does. He kind of references it every time he gets promoted. Yeah. And from there, you know, we see him uh, actually getting uh, deployed and now he's uh, on the blood crow, which is one of the ships, one of the many ships as he goes up through the ranks, you know, we see him uh, not take command of the Blood Crow, but we see him working there. And then that's when we get our first introduction to a smuggler named Signy, uh, And he plays a very crucial part throughout the rest of this book. And he ends up actually uh, tricking Thrawn into believing that he is a, a prisoner who got taken by pirates when he, in fact, is a pirate. And from then on, we see Thrawn almost develop a like a passion towards Signy in the sense that that is his greatest weakness and he needs to get rid of him as soon as possible. Yeah. And I mean, I, if I was Thrawn, I would feel the same way because he had, he barely had any steps backwards on his way to his position on the blood crow. Mm-hmm. And so having somebody outsmart him irked him. And I could totally understand that. I, I, I get irked when I get outsmart, outsmarted, and <laughs> I'm not exactly smart. So, uh, um, so I totally understand where Thrawn was going with that. But his obsession with Signy and the pirates that he dealt with, and how they got the Tabana gas out without doing the way that Thrawn said, mm-hmm. it, without really, cutting into it. Exactly, it really irks him, and it you could just tell it. It's almost like every chapter that's about Thrawn, because it kind of flip flops here with Arinda Price. Um, it, there's a little reference in there about how he's angry about that that certain scenario, even as he becomes the commander of his own ship. So, yeah, once again, great character development by Zahn there, 
and yeah, I, I would, I'd be pissed. Dude, that's that's the human in Thrawn coming out, even though he isn't human. But it makes sense. Yeah, that's the you know we when you get a character like Thrawn, you see a lot of of the pros that go with him, but like every character he has his weaknesses. And that's again, something you can't make this all powerful character and without giving him weaknesses. And I think that's what, like what you said, what Timothy Zahn did so well that he had that thorn in the side of Thrawn. That was Signy, who we learn turns out to be black Swan, who's some, or night Swan, excuse me, who um, we end up seeing uh, throughout this book and just causing a lot of troubles for Thrawn and some, when it comes to smuggling, when it comes to uh, being a tactician and uh, trying to force different people against each other, he is always there for Thrawn. And Thrawn doesn't really put it together up until the end, but then we're set up with this uh, this moment where we get Arinda Price and Thrawn, both of them having their own agendas, but their stories end up coming together. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I like to think that before they met, Arinda Price is the one with the biggest agenda. And Thrawn's not really thinking agenda-wise. He's just thinking, mm-hmm. I need to move up in the ranks. And I mean, I guess his quote-unquote agenda is promotion. Yes. To become more powerful. But I think right after he meets Arinda Price, and she kind of she kind of gets under his skin in a way, like saying that, she, that he has much to learn on the political side of the Empire... Mm-hmm. I think that's when he starts to begin like his own agenda and his own his own searching like his, his him and Vanto's searching for the death star that we that no one knew about it was hiding off mm-hmm. to the side and which you find out at the end of the book spoiler alert <laughs> but um if if you know Star Wars and you're reading this book trust me well the first time they mentioned it I knew it was you the know death star right. yeah so and so, like, it's Arinda Price is that antagonist, it's, if there is one, because there's many antagonists in this book. You can almost say that Night Swan isn't one, because after, after toward the end of the book, when he finally meets up with Night Swan, you could just kind of tell that they they don't have hatred for each other; they more have respect for each other. Yeah, so I think that's something that was very powerful. Exactly. So that's why I think Arinda Price is kind of the true antagonist, and tr- and she she's one of the big crucial parts of why Thrawn changes a little bit. And Night Swan is the one constant throughout the book that Thrawn cannot figure out over the years of his of his time with the Imperial Navy. So it's it's definitely interesting the way they, the way they set that up, and when they finally reveal Signe as Night Swan. I, I, I'll admit, I was shocked. I probably should have seen it coming, but I was shocked. I should have seen it coming, too, and I'm in the same boat as you. I was like, oh, wow, okay. And then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, definitely should have known that one, but we'll let it slide. <laughs> but um, we end up coming to Baton, which is uh, where Signy is, and he has a lot of pirates with him, a lot of smugglers. And Thrawn is unable to have an attack because of a shield that is up, and that's when... Uh, they send Arinda Price along with an ISB agent to uh, disable the shield. And Arinda, like what we have been saying, has her own agenda. She ends up uh, trying to save her parents and trying to get them off the planet for what is eventually going to be just an all-out disaster. And instead of bringing the shields down, she actually blows up the facility and it ends up killing a lot of people. And that blame is actually put toward Thrawn when really it was her fault. 
Exactly. It's put towards Thrawn. The Empire isn't too ecstatic about it, but they are ecstatic. They are happy that the, the it's almost like a revolution they started there, saying yes. that, that they, in a way, you could say it was kind of a, like a little rebellion, like the rebels, because they were just, they were riding on the fact that people didn't like the Empire. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Empire was just happy it was put to an end, but Thrawn is kind of scorned for it, even though it was the selfish deeds of Price. And yes. that, like you said, that just builds her character more. She's more of a villain than she ever was in that specific moment. I remember reading that thinking, wow, how how ruthless is this person? I didn't think she was ruthless enough to kill like hundreds. I, 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 I can't think, remember off the top of my head how many people were in that shield, but there at least had to be hundreds of people in that shield yes. that she murdered for the sake of her parents, mm-hmm. which is which is crazy, crazy to me as coming from a politician. Yeah. And, you know, admirable in the sense of, yes, you're saving your parents, but the fact is that didn't need to happen in the first place. You know, this, this was just take the shield down and then Thrawn would, would commence his, his attack from his own. Cause at this point he has his own star destroyer. So. Exactly. And she's the governor of, of Lothal or Lothal. And um, it's just at that point, she's, she's such a high, high position She's wearing a wig. She's sneaking into places, and it had worked so far. Then why why do you have to fight it? Just no, it, I agree. It yeah. does not make sense. I she could have gotten out of there with her parents perfectly fine, but that's that's just how you build it there. Mm-hmm. And despite and despite Thrawn, uh, essentially you could chalk this up, considering the the fact that the blame was was pointed toward him instead of Arinda Price. It ends up being a, a promotion for Thrawn. You know, he ends up meeting with the Emperor, and he finally gets his status as a Grand Admiral. So, and again, that paints the picture of the Empire being very ruthless. And yes, innocent people died, and and but for them, all they see is that well, all of those pirates and all of those rebels, and if if you may, they all got killed, and now we don't have to worry about that. So, you know, the Emperor ends up promoting uh, Thrawn to Grand Admiral, and. At that point, we're basically, you know, done with the book. But there is one thing at the end, Chris, that maybe you want to talk about where we see our relatable character. Yeah, before before we get into that, I'd like to I'd like to go on your point there about how the Empire is ruthless. It's it's almost like when he is promoted and he's speaking to the Emperor one on one and he talks about how he almost questions the Emperor like he gets promoted because of all the, but yet all these people died. Mm-hmm. It's almost foreshadowing the conversation ending with talking about the Death Star. Yes. And how the Death Star is literally that. It's something mm-hmm. that will wipe out enemies, but it will also wipe out innocence. Yes. So, it, that, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. But yes, that very end in the epilogue, which is. I mean, most people know what epilogues are, but for for people who are used to watching movies and everything, it's basically the post-credit scene of a book. Mm-hmm. We get Eli Vanto, who, once again, is our relatable character and one of probably one of my favorite characters in the book, if not my favorite. And he's talking to somebody, and you don't really get to know who that person is until that very end of the epilogue, which is only like two or three pages. And it turns out he's talking to one of the admirals in the Chiss Ascendancy, which 
means he was obviously referred there by Thrawn. Had mm-hmm. to have been. Which and I from from the things that I have I have read or rumors I have heard, it doesn't sound like Vanto's in this next book. So it looks like we have a lot of speculating to do. So with all the time and everything, you gotta think he's he's a commander himself now. Yes. After being a lieutenant commander. And I honestly was a little confused why he left the Empire after Thrawn was uh, promoted. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you think about that? Well, for me, I think throughout this book, we actually realized, because Eli, he's taken off his path completely from the start. You know, all he wants to do is be a mechanic, if you will, on, on any ship, on any Imperial ship. And he gets thrusted into the military part of this. And but we learn that he is quite smart in the sense of in that military uh, aspect. You know, he's learning a lot from Thrawn. And many times throughout the book, Thrawn is testing him. And Eli is always giving him the correct answer. So I think we see that Thrawn is very, um, he is very, one, loyal to Eli just as much as Eli is loyal to him. And he, he holds him in high regard enough to send him to the Chiss Ascendancy, knowing that that is just his own group of people and he is sending a humanoid there with them. But something about Thrawn in this book is we learn that he actually doesn't end up being captured or he he ends up not being exiled by his own uh, people, the Chiss Ascendancy. He actually set him and his people set that up and they make it look like he was uh, sent out there because for uh, developing military plans against other planets and other people, when in fact it was basically a ruse. And the only reason they did it was to send one of their people to either work for the Empire or weaken them enough to bring it down. And Thrawn, in a sense, isn't so much this villain as, as people think he is, that he's part of the Empire and that he's you know, this, this ruthless person that all he cares about is destroying the rebellion and, and, you know, having this dictatorship, but really he has his own uh, agenda and his own aspirations. And the heart of it is to protect his own people and being a part of the empire, he can make sure that they don't find out about his people in the outer regions and also destroy the evils that could potentially bring harm to his people. And I think that's the reason why we see Eli Vanto going there at the end. Yeah, I, I agree. And you you almost feel when you read the book that, yes, his Thrawn's allegiance is to the Empire, but his, his true allegiance is to his people. Mm-hmm. And he feels now, at least what I got from it, he feels now that he has become such a prominent figure in the Empire and such a such a big piece of the of the military and a big asset to the emperor that he sends somebody that he would trust with his life to go help his help his people mm-hmm. and vanto is somebody like that like you said they're both loyal to each other and i'm and obviously that is not the last we will see of him we know there'll be more mm-hmm. but it does raise the question of where he's been and what he does for them which eventually I guess we will find out. And I can't wait to find that out because Vanto, like I said, very relatable and just an outstanding character. 
Yeah, it's a great bromance throughout this entire book, seeing Thrawn and Eli. I, it's it's definitely one of my favorite interactions in any of the Star Wars books that I've read, the, the character development of both of them and seeing them uh, not only work together, but, you know, being friends and in that own, you know, because Thrawn is very, uh, he is someone that when I could imagine, you know, being in the Star Wars universe, being around him could be intimidating, that he is an intimidating character, but he's also very smart, very charming, and he has his, like, he has that charm to him, and I think him and Eli, the way they connect throughout this book is is really good. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, and I mean, I'm going to end it with my rating on the book, if we're going to do it like they do it on all the Amazon, all that stuff, when you look at a book, I'd give it five stars. It's a great read. If you guys haven't read it yet, then I don't know why you're listening right now because we gave the spoiler <laughs> warning. But even if you haven't, I suggest you read it because there's a lot we didn't cover because it's just it's a f- almost 500 page book. There's no way we can cover it all. It's a great book, and I just highly suggest you read it. What would you rate it, Rosino? I'm with you. Five stars. I thought this book was really good. I'm mad at myself in the sense that I pushed it away for so long, but I finally read it, and I love it, and I have Thrawn Alliances on uh, the table right in front of me, so I'm excited to get into that pretty soon. So, yeah, five stars for the both of us. And we do a segment every time we come to the – almost the end of this show of uh, rumors. We say it's either do or do not and do or do not. There is no try in Disney and or star Wars. And one of the rumors that has been floating around Chris, and although it's kind of slowed down recently, but early on it was rumored that there was going to be a Boba Fett movie. One of those, a star Wars story movies. Now, obviously with the announcement of Mandalorian and just with the fact that, Disney is supposedly slowing down their Star Wars movie slate. We might not get Boba Fett anymore. But Chris, would you want to see a Boba Fett movie? So, I don't know if I'll anger a lot of people when I say this. I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. I do not think Boba Fett needs a movie. Boba Fett, great character. Love him. Maybe go give him a Disney Plus series. Because they're giving Cassian and K2 a Disney Plus series. If they're really considering giving Obi-Wan a Disney Plus series, then Boba Fett deserves a Disney Plus series because Obi-Wan deserves a movie over Boba Fett. We went over that in a previous episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like you said with Mandalorian, I feel like that's already kind of a Boba Fett-esque style and that we probably don't need any more of that unless it's a show... I don't think Boba Fett really needs a movie. Maybe if they do end up making Solo 2 happen, hashtag make Solo 2 happen, um, (laughs) then maybe tie in Boba Fett there with Han Solo obviously being a smuggler and having a history with Boba Fett and somehow killing him while he's blinded on a (laughs) ship with a staff and gets shoved into a starlight pit. They do need to redeem his character. I'll give him all that because that's a terrible death. Horrible death. But I don't think a movie is the way to go. Either have him play that side role or maybe the main villain in Solo 2. But I don't know how you make him the main villain in Solo 2 with Darth Maul. But at least maybe play him in there if they do it. Otherwise, a Disney Plus series works for me. Movie, I'm going to say do not. They do not need to do that. What do you think? You stole my mic drop, Chris, because I'm also going to say no but my reasoning was for Solo 2. And, you know, I think 
we need to see more of Han Solo's backstory, or maybe not necessarily need, but after Solo, and you know how big of a Solo fan I am. Huge. I want to see more of Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo, and I definitely want to see more of Kira, played by Amelia Clark. And I just love the story. I love the way that it ended with a cliffhanger, and I'm hoping that we get the sequel. But why not, in a Han Solo origin, introduce the reason why him and Boba Fett go way back. We're, I mean, it's assumed that they go way back. And, you know, Boba Fett, as popular as he is, he doesn't really do much in the original trilogy. He has, he looks cool in the background of many shots. And he's got what, like one line? But like what you said, in the end, he falls in the Sarlacc pit. And, and that's the end of the story of Boba Fett, you know? So I think that we should definitely see him in Solo 2. I was thinking uh, that Darth Maul and Kira say we need to take care of Han Solo, maybe he's damaging the reputation of Crimson Dawn, so let's send a bounty hunter to go kill Han Solo, and that bounty hunter is going to be Boba Fett. That's my... But no, I definitely wouldn't make a movie about it. I don't know if there's enough material there without bringing in someone like Han Solo. Um, Disney Plus series, I also disagree with that because I want to see... Obviously, we're getting Mandalorian, which is... Boba Fett is a Mandalorian... And then we're also going to get the Cassian Andor K2 series. And then hopefully, potentially, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I think there might be a little too much there to get Boba Fett. So I'm going to say do not for the movie, but let's get him him into a movie. But it's not his. And let's get him into Solo 2. Hashtag make Solo 2. (laughs) So so with you saying that, without bringing a different character in, you know, I have seen a lot of things. This is kind of changing my, my... choice for do or do not in a way because you said okay. if they were to make a movie they don't have enough material they'd have to bring in someone like Han Solo there have I I remember reading stuff on Reddit and Twitter and all that about stuff like having Alden Ehrenreich's Han Solo in another movie during that time period that isn't his own hmm. so okay. if they were to do that with Boba Fett and have Han Solo kind of kind of in it but it is a Boba Fett story then I might be down for that but I'm okay. more down for the other way around with Solo and Boba Fett because that's a great idea with the whole go get him bounty hunter and everything I, I thought that was a great idea how you said they're causing too much trouble but like I don't know I could definitely see that now that I'm thinking about it that definitely makes sense yeah, and, and I was also thinking about what you said about a lot of Reddit posts and a lot of things saying, like, put Alden Ehrenreich in, in other things as Han Solo, but it's not about him. I thought about that for um, the Cassian Andor K2 series. I thought, how cool would it be if maybe in one of the episodes, you know, Cassian and, and K2 are off uh, doing something for the Rebellion and they need a little bit of help. And they enlist the help of Han Solo and Chewbacca. And, you know, Han, obviously, at the time, isn't very uh, loving of the Rebellion. You know, you, you hear that from him at the end. You know, he says, don't hold your breath if I'm going to join the Rebellion. So maybe he doesn't know that he's helping the Rebellion. All he thinks is that he's helping Cassian and K2. And it ends up that, once again, Han Solo is helping the Rebellion without knowing. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. That That'd be an interesting way, too. I just... Like you said, I want to see Alden Ehrenreich as Solo a little bit more. Preferably, I mean, you can't call it Solo 2, 
you have to call it solo something yeah. like with a little colon or something like that. But yeah, it's definitely interesting, but headed back to the Boba Fett idea. Do not no movie. I know they had, they had one in the works and they canceled it. It's a good thing they did. We don't need the movie, but for I our agree. last segment, still haven't come up with a great name of it. If you do listen, it, I think it's just become a running joke now. It's like, what are we reading? What are we watching? We just yeah, we, we, we can't is. come up with a name. We've tried. It just doesn't work. We'll come up with something eventually. But like I said, in our segment, we like to talk to our listeners and tell them what we're reading, what we're watching. It doesn't have to be Star Wars related. If it is, then more. It's, it's a plus. Even but better. if Even it's better. not, then we just like to tell everybody. So I'll start. What I'm reading, I am reading Alphabet Squadron. We talked about it last time. I am gonna. I am gonna spoil your little part, Zeno. Zeno has already finished it, and I am <laughs> not even halfway through. He he ran through this book like I ran through Thrawn in six days. I think he, I don't know how long it took you, but it did not take you very long. You've had it for a little while, and now you're now you're done. And now I need to get going. Yep. I was reading before that. I did put it down for Alphabet Squadron. I was reading Rogue One Catalyst. It is a book about um, Galen Erso and uh, director Krennic before the events of Rogue One. So kind of a little bit of an origin of their friendship and where it leads. So I thought that it's a, it's a great book. I've only read about 100 pages of it, but I've put it down for Alphabet Squadron. I've heard good things yeah, it's, about it. Yeah, it's definitely a good read if, you, if anyone's looking for something that's a little bit more directed toward the movies because that is literally about two characters in the movies. And what I'm watching, I know I've said I almost every episode now, I feel like I said I said I'm rewatching something. But coming up, I believe it's tomorrow, I will be going to go see the quote unquote extended edition of Avengers Endgame that's coming out in theaters. I knew it. It's got six it. or seven minutes there at the end. I honestly don't even know if my theater is showing it. I may not even walk into this right movie, but I do want to go see Endgame again for the last time because, let's be honest, once the movie's out of theaters, yes, you can watch it, but it's never the same. It's never the same. So you just got to watch it. On, definitely definitely got to watch it on the big screen. And then Tuesday, oh, in about five days, I will be watching the premiere of Spider-Man Far From Home, which I am very excited for. The end of Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Lauren Zeno's a big DC fan, so I know he's not a huge fan of what I'm saying, but it's it's it looks really exciting. Mysterio's in it. I know you're a specific Spider-Man fan, even though you are a DC DC guy. Mysterio looks fun. Jake Gyllenhaal's a great actor. Tom Holland's done a great job as Spider-Man so far. So I'm really looking forward to that. And with that, Zeno, what are you what are you doing? What are you watching and reading? Well, first, uh, to talk about that end game, you're really trying to help them get over Avatar. Hey, I would. I, I think that might be the. Thing I right wouldn't there. mind if I help them a little bit. Plus, I get to see a deleted scene on a big screen. When do you ever get to see a deleted screen on a movie theater screen? And I mean, I'm going to a matinee, so it's not like it's going to cost me a fortune. So, I definitely, definitely excited for that. Yeah, I am a Spider-Man fan. I I would wa- I watched the original. Uh, 1967 to 1970 cartoon and my favorite villain from that cartoon was Mysterio so I definitely will be watching 
far from home, uh, but maybe not <laughs> like you. I, so, I will be watching. Yeah, I can't. I have to see it before spoilers come up on my feeds. Endgame spoilers were really true. hit me hard this year, so I'm not trying to get spoiled. They did. That was a big rip right there when you, when you big, told me big about bad. that entire thing that happened to you with the sport. Oh, yeah. Not not a good one. But anyways, back toward you. What what are you watching and reading? What should people All be right. interested in? Uh, you said I finished Alphabet Squadron. That is true. Um, I am, book-wise, I decided to take a one-book break from Star Wars, and I am reading a book called Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered. It is from... Uh, it's by Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hartstark, and they are the hosts of a very popular podcast called My Favorite Murder, and I love that podcast very much. It gets me through work a lot of the time, and uh, I just really wanted to read the book. I wanted to hear more about their, their lives and their story and like why they're doing this now, and uh, I like it. I think it's a really good book as of right now. And uh, watching, um, watching Star Wars Resistance right now, which is the uh, – animated tv show that is on disney channel um about eight episodes in right now season one is done already season two is coming soon and i like it i think it's pretty good right now um you know we you're getting introduced to a couple more characters for the first order captain phasma has already made an appearance um major von reg who's actually a tie fighter pilot very good tie fighter pilot tie interceptor actually and he's got a full um of cost not costume but armor red armor and i thought that's really cool there's another character called commander pyre and he's got all gold armor so i think that's pretty cool um oscar isaac is in this show which surprised me because i heard poe talk and i didn't think it was going to be oscar isaac i was like oscar isaac no offense he's probably got like better things to do like an animated (laughs) show and then i was like that's oscar isaac so i was really excited to see that he's in it and you know we get bb8 and and poe a little but I think it's a good show so far and definitely going to keep watching. Yeah, no, I, that's a, that's a show I got to jump on and like, like I can't wait for Disney plus to come out so I can get more into rebels and clone wars. Cause I'm not about to go drop the money to go, to go watch them. And with the clone wars being off of Netflix, even though I've seen all of clone wars, you know, it's just one of those things you want to rewatch, especially with them coming out with new episodes. So yeah, I think, I think we covered everything. Um, I think we did. Like I said before, 100% suggest Thrawn if you have not read it yet, which you probably shouldn't be listening now if you've read it. You should feel bad <laughs> about yourself. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, definitely go out and read it. It's a it's a very good time, and it's fun. If you love Star Wars, you'll love the book. Yeah, well, I think that's going to do it for this week, Chris. Good talk. I, I would agree. I would agree. Thank you all for listening, and... Uh, yeah, may may the force be with you. Always.